Are you ready for some fun? Oh, yeah! This service is brought to you by the Pleasure Club. If you're under 18 and do not wish to be billed, please hang up now. Who said buying a home should be uptight and boring? It's time for Patty's Playhouse, your local real estate talk show with Patty and Scott. It's house talk with a happy ending each and every time. Patty's Playhouse with Patty and Scott starts now. Working out to find what a way to make a living. Patty, getting by, it's all taking and no giving. Just use your mind and they never give you credit. It's enough to drive you crazy and you let it. Playhouse on Real Talk 93.3 FM in Tallahassee, Florida, the home of lots of rain, conservative talk. <laughs> Just kidding, Not really. and lots of rain, and lots of rain. Yeah, well, I was talking about the radio station. That's Scott, Scott Cowart. Hey, hey, I'm here. He's my partner in business and on the radio. So, we work with Allison James Estates and Homes. My number is 850 Our website is iHeartTally.co. If you go to iHeartTally.com, you're going to go to the city of Tallahassee. So, iHeartTally.co. Dot C-O. Dot C-O. So, we talk real estate, fun side of real estate. We try to be as fun as possible here while talking about the winners and the losers in life. <laughs> you never know. It's never yeah, know which side you're going to be on. Every week. So, yeah, last week we talked about what kind of agent to hire. Of course, we talk about alcohol at the end of the show. What kind of agent to hire and not hire a part-time agent? Got a lot of feedback from other agents. Most were on my side of the debate. And if you're going to have a part-time agent, watch what he or she or one of the other 87 are doing. Who who exactly wasn't on your side on this one? Nobody called me that wasn't on my side. Mm. So I'm sure there were people that were like... Other part-time agents. That have her, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, how can they tell me I'm not doing something? Well, when you only sell one house in three years, yeah, you might want to ask more questions. My, it's my, and 
the seller should be asking you more questions too. It's not about giving someone a chance. It's about hiring the right agent to get the job done. You know, everybody wants to give somebody a chance, but I'm an appraiser. I talk about this all the time. And as an appraiser, I have to disclose my competence or my incompetence prior to accepting the appraisal. So if I'm incompetent and I know I'm incompetent, which how many incompetents really know it? But if I am, they say you want to appraise a co-op. Yes, I can appraise a co-op, but I've never appraised a co-op, so I'm not competent in appraising co-ops. We don't really have them here. I would have to go partner with somebody and learn how to appraise a co-op before I actually do it. I don't understand why realtors don't have to do that. I don't understand it. I mean, how NARS a pretty powerful group. FAR, which is the Florida Association of Realtors, pretty powerful group. But when you start doing people's, I mean, you have to disclose ethically. Article 1 says you must disclose if you cannot promote the benefits to the client. Article 1 of our ethics. So that rant's over. Today we're going to talk about where the buyers come from. I mean, it, it's important to know, does your realtor have enough relationships with other agents to promote your house properly? That's what ethics Article 1 states. So on that note, we're going to talk about buyers and where do the buyers come from? So how you get your agent, how you find the buyers. Once your agent, the choo-choos, lists the home, they sign an agreement to list, which is pretty much exclusive. As an agent, I can't go to other sellers and try to sell my services to that agent while the, or sell the services to the seller while it's listed. It's called crossing the sign. So it's, it violates ethics and probably and legal. We can't do that. So where do the buyer come from? So you want to hire an agent that has a network that knows how to bring buyers in. And there's numerous ways to find that uh, absorption of the buyers. Statistically, how many people are seeing the house? You want to know on the internet because 90% of all buyers come from the internet. If you sell your house for sale by owner, they're not allowed to syndicate out on our multi-list system, which is the MLS. They can't syndicate out. If they can't syndicate out, the only option you have is your own as a private owner listing your own home to put the sign on the street and hope somebody comes by. Tell your own friends and neighbors. It's tougher because you don't have the network for marketing the house. And that's why we get paid is our relationships. That's why we get paid for what we do and to keep you safe and to promote your interests as the client. That's really important. So we're going to talk about the buyer funnel. It's kind of like a mismatch between appraising and selling because you want your house to be in a position price-wise and condition. It attracts the most people. So if you have pictures taken or you decide to hire an agent that uses her cell phone, and I mean her as a blanket her, can be a him, can be one of the other 87, how it works. You want to hire someone who takes pictures with their phone. You want to put your bath towels away because I just saw one in Pennsylvania. It literally was a picture of their bath towel on the, on the towel rod. That's not going to attract buyers to your house. They think you don't know how to keep a house. They don't think you know how to make the condition proper or conducive to the next owner. And it just looks like crap. So you don't want to do that. You want to hire somebody who uses proper lighting, proper exposure, proper pretty. Make sure it's pretty for the next person to want to come see it. Because, I mean, Scott, you're doing pictures yesterday for a listing. How long did you look at those pictures till you decide what order to put them in? It took me all day to. Really How many pictures were there? I think there were 54 in total. And you and can put 36. I chose. 
36, obviously, and then I had a couple of videos. Our MLS limits to 36. There's other MLSs in the across the nation allow more, some allow less. So ours is a limit of 36. So he was trying to figure out which picture should be first, interesting enough to make the person click on the next picture. Correct. And the next picture, and the next picture. And he really did work for hours on it. I did. Hours. Indeed. What does this look like, Patty? How does this look? Like he got up, walked away, came back. You want somebody who's focused and cares. They're just not throwing in side views, you know, where the, the picture needs to be flipped into another angle. So if 90% of all buyers look on the internet first, you want proper photos, you want proper lighting, the proper exposure of the photo. Some people use the fisheye. I'm not a fan. I, I think it looks distorted and it doesn't look good on a phone. But you that's personal choice. You just want it to look good. You want it to be able to see clearly what your the amenities are of your home, right? Correct. It's almost like online dating. You want the best representation, but the best look that you can get. So, so you don't want it to be you don't want it to be incorrect and false and fictitious where they get there and you've just wasted everybody's time. Which the realtor has an ethical Correct. responsibility so the, to not take out the water tower. Correct. So the behind I, your house. the idea is to make it as realistic yet as good looking as one could as you would if you were out on a date looking for a date this is patty wilson and patty's playhouse and our number is 850-656-0009 and we're talking the buyer funnel where do buyers come from how do they find your house so once they the, people look online for fun julia zillow realtor.com home snap they just look for fun i mean it's fun i look in pennsylvania because that's where i'm from just for giggles like, that's how I found that, that towel. And then I post them online under hashtag real estate fail, which is hilarious. Yeah, some of those are. There's some of them are really funny. Not only hilarious, but disturbing. Like, if you have 36 light cans and you're sailing, it's probably not going to attract the most buyers available in the market. Yeah, that's a problem. No, not at all. Wasn't that funny? I, it was like whack-a-mole. And somebody thought it might be grow lights. Yeah. So if you ever go to my page, it's Patty... With a Y, Johnson Wilson, you can see what I'm talking about. Not, not but that it was I've ever like, grown, but I did watch weeds, and I thought those were more fluorescent. They were. They were those um, wa- those coiled, right? Ugly but I've lights. never seen the growing of weed with fluorescent lights. Those can and lights. someone was like, "Is that a constellation?" Because they were in a weird that, or they just couldn't decide where to put a light or a hi hat. So once you once those buyers look at your house, how do you get them in, and how many of them are? around and are available to buy your home. So I did some research and typically the number of buyers does not change drastically from one year to the next. If it's, I wrote it down somewhere. If it's a total of like in 2018 so far, it's 2,500 closed sales in all price ranges in the four counties, Wakulla, Leon, Jefferson, and Gadsden. And last year... It, it it just doesn't change very much over a period of time. So it's roughly static over year over year. Right, it's roughly of static. Of those who are moving. Now, what does change, which I found interesting, was from 2017 to 2018, people pushed their price up. So in 2017, there were 1,200, oh, 1,200 um, from 200 to 300, 1,241 sales. And this year alone... There's already 1116 from 200 to 300. So that's really a lot more. 1241. It's 
a lot more. And last year, well, it's probably less than the under two hundred was below. The, was nineteen ninety one. And what is it sales now? already this year through July thirty first is eleven oh five. So it should it should surpass nineteen ninety one. But overall, there's not massive numbers. If you're having an open house, you get six, three to six people. It's a good open house. I I, I find you, you don't know what people expect until you meet with them and you talk to them and let them ask questions. But most people think there's like 15 people coming through your open house every time. There's No, there was about 100 that came through prior to that <laughs> online. Yeah, that's right. Patty Wilson, Patty's Playhouse. On the other side of the break, we're going to continue to talk fire, fire funnel. Where do they come from? The bunnel. The bunnel. You can see she's a beautiful girl, she's a beautiful girl. And everything around her is a silver pool of light. People who surround her feel the benefit of it, it makes you care. Welcome back. It's Patty Wilson and Patty's Playhouse, and we're talking the bundle. Buyer's funnel. Where they come from. How are you going to price your home? How are you going to find the buyer to buy your house? Because you only care about your house. Because it's your house. The realtors, we care about everybody's house. So I found some interesting facts through National Association of Realtors, and they partner with the Mortgage Bankers Association. So if somebody hasn't used a realtor, there are still ways on the contract to find out if it was a for sale by owner. And it was only a one side had the one side of the transaction had an agent. So last year, actually, it only goes up to 2013. I don't know that they've done a survey since. 87% of buyers purchase their home through a realtor or broker. A share that has steadily increased year over year, which is interesting. So you're a for sale by owner. You're automatically, if you're not going to use a buyer or buyer's agent, you've lost, you're only at 13%. That's your buyer funnel. Of the funnel. Of the funnel. 13% of everybody who's going to apply for a mortgage or pay cash, you're down to 13% if you refuse to use an agent. That's your buyer funnel. So you got to work within that 13%. That's my point. Does that make sense? Did I say it in a coherent way? Yeah, I got it. 89% said they would use their agents again. So if someone's loyal to their agent, you know, then 89% of that 87% is loyal to their agents. So that that increases your buyer funnel just a tad, but not much. And 51% of the closed homes found their house on the internet. Not 50, not every home that's out there, but of the closed homes. That was in 2013. It's probably much higher now. It's got to be. So, and the typical home was 1,870 square feet, built after 1991, with three bedrooms and two baths. Interesting. That was really interesting. So if your home is older and it has three bedroom, one bath, you've reduced the number of buyers willing to purchase your home. If your home is below, typically 1,600, give it plus or minus 10% on the square footage. So if you're at 1,870 and you go from like 1,600 to 2,000, you're in a pretty good set. Over 2,000 might be too much. Under 1,600 is too little. So again, that's where the buyer funnel, it's all about the median, what's available in the market and what do people want. 
So people want at least, say, 1,650 square feet. They want it to be newer than 1991, which in Leon County, I'm telling you is a fact, because the code changed so differently. You can buy an older home, but you're going to hope that people made the updates needed to keep the house insurable, which we're going to have dug on from Leon County property appraisers in a couple weeks. We'll talk about that a little bit more. So, yeah, after 1991, 1873 bedrooms, two baths. The one and a half baths isn't going to cut it. You're going to reduce the number of people willing to purchase your home. Fascinates me. It may not fascinate you. The median household income for first-time home buyers, and that's income for all the adults over 18, is 75. Repeat buyers is 97,000. And then the age. Repeat buyers are 54, so I'm still a little younger, younger than that. First-time home buyers is for 34%. So 34% are going to be able to mortgage about 137,000. They're going to be they're going to want at least a three-bedroom, four-bedroom here, one story, newer than 1991. It was that's your buyer pool. That's what you need to find. And if your house doesn't fit in that mark, whether it's a repeat buyer house, a move-up home, or below that, you're going to have to price accordingly to make it more attractive for the buyer to want to come see your house. Simple. Simple. It's pure simple. I thought that was interesting. It does appear simple. It does appear. And so it goes from there. So they, the average mortgage the average debt on the mortgage in the United States as of 2013 was 137,000. It used to be in it was that before 20 years ago, the average buyer put 20% down. Now the average buyer puts 5% down. That's it. 5%. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. So going back to just our little Leon County area. So we took, I used the four counties cause I got it from, I got my data from the, Florida Realtors Association. It's just single family homes. It has not had a market marketable change. May of 2018, the percentage change every year was only 0.7% year over year. So yes, our inventory month supply is 4.6. Guess what? It's unchanged from this time last year. Unchanged. So the whole myth about, oh my God, there's a shortage is just that. The myth. Because statistics don't otherwise not in leon county and the three other counties well it's the same shortage we had a year ago if that's what they're talking about right i mean it, it, but it hasn't, but it been hasn't like, changed mm -mm. Nope. What, what may be on the market that you're looking for has changed or your ability to afford it correct that has also changed that has gone up because the builders are building bigger homes less lot charging 350 and above for it which it proves that in the original comments i made from 200 to 300 is much lower, but the 300 to 400 is a good 25% more. Well, I show you more. You would know the math. 524 over 753, so it's almost 50% more. 50% more buying th over 300 than they are. And this is why I go back to the Builders Association, that they're not building smaller homes. There will be fewer move-up buyers as we progress but what they're the buying, but what they're also buying over 300 seems to be that of new construction. New construction, from, smaller lot, correct. because people statistically they want, they want nicer, don't want bigger. They want closer into town. They want more amenities. They don't care about quality. They want pretty. Statistically, and it proves in the numbers. 
You can be right up against someone's house and have your gutter literally go against their home, and they'll pay three fifty for that, other than paying for a more quality built home that was built in the seventies and eighties, you know, with more time and attention, and they don't care. So that's your buyer pool. Everything's gone they want prefab pretty, and disposable. Prefab and disposable. Joanna Gaines Gray with some white trim. Stainless steel. Or that black slate, I ain't gonna lie, is beautiful. The black slate appliances. I do like that. I do too. I just thought it was fascinating. Because everyone says, Where you know, you go to a listing appointment. Patty, where are you getting the buyers? It's right here. Ninety one percent are coming off the internet. This many are going to be looking at your house in this price range. If you price it 301, but you're going to sell it 295, you're probably missing your buyer. You would need to sell it 300 or 299.9 to get that buyer. Fascinating. Don't you think? You'll think it's got. I do. I was thinking of that statement and thinking how much more sense it makes to price your home accordingly and have multiple offers than it does to sit there waiting for what's not coming and won't ever come because i went back three years and they're not coming well and i think it was a prior show last week or the week before where we're saying that people are almost more resistant to present an offer if it's not close to what asking is regardless of whether asking had any legitimacy i'm so glad you brought that up because that's my next segue hmm. uh yeah I had no idea. You had no idea. So this is Patty Wilson, Patty's Playhouse. Our number is 850-656-0009. And we're talking about buyers and the buyer's funnel. I've been a buyer's agent a lot longer than I've been listing. And I started selling for Turner Heritage Homes, which is now only in Destin, uh, 2007. So they almost had no inventory. Once they ran out of inventory, I'd leave because they ran out. So they say, why don't buyers make offers on homes that are overpriced? Why? Do you know? I would surmise that often they feel they're going to offend. That's the number one reason. They don't want to be offensive. They feel uh, they erroneously believe that the seller knows the home is overpriced. And they believe that if the seller was willing to sell for less, they would. Hmm, that is erroneous. It is erroneous. And the buyer also assumes that the seller must have turned down lowball offers from other buyers because surely someone somewhere along the line had offered a reasonable price to the seller. But many times there are no offers at all. So I did a little due diligence, which is part of my transaction broker. And I helped a couple buy a house. I knew it was overpriced and I knew they were going through a divorce because it was public record. So what is public record is not not confidential. And I told them to offer this price, which was well less, but I knew that they had the divorce and they got it. No one else had made an offer. Hmm. So you have to kind of, you have to throw a little skin into it in time and, and look for it. And it was able to do it and was able to close and they got it for like $35,000 less. It's not going to happen everywhere. I mean, but I knew that they had to sell because I looked it up. This is Patty Wilson and Patty's Playhouse. We have more time. Uh Uh-oh. Seems the music. Somebody's knocking. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called your. Does he have time. blue eyes and blue jeans? Apparently, he does. <laughs> Just ask my husband.
Welcome back. It's Patty Wilson and Patty's Playhouse, and we're talking buyers and the buyer funnel. Where does the buyer come from that wants to come buy your house? Who's bringing them in? How are they getting there? Is it the pictures? Is it the internet? Is it the agent? Is it the price? All of the above. Amen. Amen. And what happens if your house is overpriced and your agent doesn't tell you? That's unethical. They have to tell you. You, you in the end, can do what you want. As the homeowner, you're allowed to do whatever you want. But the agent is in violation of their obligations by not expressing to you that the home is overpriced. So just that's a little tip for the agents. If you try to just outbid, which they call it, what do they call it? Um, buying the listing by telling people it's worth, say, 250 and it's really worth 225 You know, people do it all the time. It's just got to tell the owner the truth and let them decide. And if you don't, the owner finds out that you didn't tell them and you should have told them and they were willing to load the price, you're in violation of your ethics as the realtor. So that's tough stuff. Well, and sometimes... It's a hard conversation. It is. Which some, I've said before. Well, sometimes you may think it's worth because on paper, as we often have, say, it could be worth X. But, Patty Appraiser has that problem all the time, but, but I tell them that. Truthfully, the market decides what your home is worth. And so I think setting up the proper expectation with future conversations is the way to go. How it's handled from there yeah. is Yeah, because some people, the, the seller's hoping for one and the buyer's hoping for another and you want to get the Twix. You want to get in between the two somehow and figure out what's right. Correct. That's it. I mean, you want to be able to get the seller as most as you can and, it, and you don't know. I can prove on paper something works easily that would cover me under that ethical challenge. But I can't present or grow a buyer. I can't make a buyer want it. I can't make a buyer come in. Even though on paper it says it. Can't make a buyer show up. But at least you have to have the conversation. Correct. And then let the seller decide. The seller has, I use a financial thermostat is my term. But of what they're going to lower their price. And because some people just physically can't. They just owe more. And if they owe more and you don't know and you have a contract for less than what they owe, you got to tell somebody, including the owner. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen. Mm. So that's where buyers come from. And the buyers are coming off the Internet. They're coming. They're very few. We used to call them sign calls where I would have a sign out on the yard and people call the sign. They call the number on the sign. Happens less and less frequently. So infrequent. I call, I have the sign, especially on like a corner lot or in a busy street, there is there for the benefit of the agent, not necessarily the seller, because I can sell a house without a sign all day now because you don't. It's more directional purposes and correct how to get the buyer there. So it's the Internet, the sign, the last case, the agents letting other agents know about the house because I I list the home. I then pivot and sell your house to other agents. So there's a thousand agents in our board with at least one contract of some sort or another. I present it to those agents. Whether they hear me or not is separate, but I do present it. And then you put it out in social media. That doesn't stop that. You can do that all day. You can have thousands of looks and doesn't bring a buyer. Thousands Absolutely of can be, can be the case. I mean, until you lower the price to where somebody is not correct going to all be right. offended to draw to bring an offer. So it's it all comes down to price because it's what does Scott say? It's condition and price. Well, it is. It is. 
and sometimes both. And just if like you have a time, 19, money, and both. I won't use 1950 because 1950 is so cool. But let's pretend the house is still always going to be what 63 years old or whatever that is. How many is that? 55. 63. No, 63. 63. 63. You said 50, right? 63. What year did to you? To 55. Oh, 55. No, built in 55. Oh. 2018, 63 years. I mean, it could be very cool, but you have to like look at that and say it's always going to be 63 years old. Are you prepared to keep it up? Or, you know, everything on a house goes bad all at one time, just kind of like the human body all goes to shh Hmm. at once. My my mom would say it goes to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you can afford to maintain that. when we had a lot of short sales and foreclosures in the market, it was so funny. You'd walk in and it was like the appliances went bad, the roof went bad, the plumbing went bad, the everything went bad at the same time because it was 22 years old. So everything was at the end of its life. And on an appraisal, your house can be 1955, which is 63 years old now that we've established it. <laughs> but effective age is like 10 because they've updated everything. So it's like 10 years. I have a rental. It was built like 1910 over by FAMU, but everything's new. So the effective age is much newer than that. And I can feel comfortable comparing that on an appraisal to newer homes because it comes down to the age. You just have to prove it and disclaim and summarize and state. So it's a lot of words on an appraisal. But it, you can. So you like, you know, in Kelowna States where they have the newer section, like off McLaughlin, off of Center Road. Centerville Road, and then the older section. If one of the older homes, the 1960 homes, closer to Thomasville Road, updated everything, I have no problem comparing those to the newer homes. Probably would be better because they're, you know, probably better construction. I would agree with that. But if somebody really wants a 1992 home, even if it's been redone on the older side, it's going to limit the number of people that want your house. And according to statistics, that's what people want. They want the 92 and newer. Right? Scott's like, look. I, I, well, my, I'm thinking. Yeah, you're right. Statistically, that is what it says. Statistically, that is what it says. And I do think it has a lot to do with code and, and things that have happened. Code, proximity, affordability. Because mortgage rates are about to go up. But they're, right now, they're still very affordable. So 5% is very affordable. Correct. And you can get into a bigger home for a longer period of time, which is the purpose of the mortgage is to freeze your costs. That's what it's there for. Freeze your costs and pay yourself over a longer period. And that's that's going to kill our market in about six years because there'll be fewer move-up buyers because that five-year turnaround is going to be much longer. Where are they going to go? There's no move-ups. They're not building the... First-time homebuyer-style homes right now. At all. And that's nationwide. That's not just here. Patty Wilson and Patty's Playhouse. Our website is iHeartTally.co. My number is 850-656-0009. So, yeah, that's where buyers come from. That's what we're talking about. Who's going to find your house? And what are they going to do when they find it? And how are they going to offer? And what's their mentality when they get there? Chances are they're a first-time homebuyer. Chances are they want 1991 or newer, around 1,800 square feet, three bedroom, two bath. But here, I guarantee a four will sell faster than a three, it even will. if it's the same square footage. It will all day. Now, if it's 1,500 in a four bedroom, you're going to struggle. But yeah. if it's 1,800 in a four bedroom, it'll sell in a minute. True, because I had that 2,000, and it was a five bedroom, and it was 
bit of a struggle. It was a bit of a struggle. Yeah. And that front and room sell, but on Brushy Creek. Correct. So. Did finally sell, but certainly... Um, well, it had other issues. Like, it was more rural. It was challenges. It was on an unpaved road, yeah, private but, road. But all in all, looking at anything that's a five-bedroom in 2,000 square feet, you've got very small rooms at that point. So it just you do. De- depends on how you live. The, yeah, they used uh, one what would be a traditional living room as a bedroom, and Correct. they had a closet. Correct. So you could make that a living room and not use it as a bedroom. Right. But you have to think about the other amenities. So it was what we call in appraisal world uh, utility. It was unpaved road. Mm-hmm. It was a private road, which yeah. there's paperwork and who's going to maintain it and how am I going to be guaranteed access? You have to have egress. Then rural, so it's outside of the circle by seven miles, outside of Capitol Circle. So that reduces. And then the school zones. So that reduces the number of buyers. So if you have 884 buyers available to buy the home at any time, it just constantly reduces the number of people available or willing to purchase the house. And 884, that number came from, where did I put it last year? Just last month, in well, my April and May. Oh, here it was. Yeah, 888 for quarter four in 2017. So 880 available for a quarter over a three-month period. That's how it works. You move it out of the circle, unpaved road, private. You've got a septic and a five-bedroom, although it was one-story, two-car garage with side entry. So that pluses it up a little bit. And it was relatively new. And it was relatively new, a 2010. It was. And it was three acres, which is was largely wooded largely so that limits the number of buyers available to that are willing and want during with today's market trends to buy your home and on the other side of the break we're going to talk about alcohol Ooh. and lovely john anderson singing great song Tequila i have to Night, say right that so i don't get blocked by youtube on when i post my podcast you have to say who sings i have it. to say who sings it if i say that i won't get a a, a rights copyright violation tag did you know that you no. did not know that, John? I got me through with the Michael Jackson song. Not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Grazing in the grass, copyright violation. But because I just said grazing in the grass, I'm good. On the other side of the break, Garnet and Gold. What good can drinking do? What good can drinking do? all night next day i feel blue well there's a glass on the table say it's gonna ease my pain yeah there's a glass on the table say it's gonna ease my pain well i drink down the bottle next day i feel the same welcome back patty wilson patty playhouse with scott coward and we're talking Garnet and Gold, which is our little twist on wine and beer, bourbon. And that's Martha, Martha Fields singing What Good Drink Could Do. And I'm only saying that to get me past the YouTube police. Because normally I don't, but I'm going to start. Copyright. Got to avoid the popo. Yeah, I really don't want my Pat Frank to be on the other side of that. Nope. Copyright suit. That's my attorney. I don't want him to have to talk to people about copyright infringement. So what you drink this week, Scott? Well, I drink red wine again. Shocking. Back to red. Well, I mean, until I learn. Left make a my good, side. Right. Until I learn to make a good old-fashioned, I think that's what I'm going to have to do. So it was a Columbia wine 
um, Columbia the brand, not Colombian. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a red blend, and it was quite good. It was a not a Boga, but I think it was on sale at Publix. If I'm not mistaken. So where they make it if it's not Colombian? I uh, don't know. I think it was. Let me see. I could probably figure it out. Um, I believe it was California, but I could mm. be wrong. But it was really, really good. That's un- unusual um, for you to go domestic. Every now and then. <laughs> I like to try the people at home. Just the way it goes. <laughs> but it, it was a really, really, really good wine. And it had, as a blend would, it's, sometimes I feel like there's too much Cabernet or too much of one wine versus another. But this had Merlot and like a... Um, a Malbec in it and it was very light and the tannins were light. It just didn't feel overpowering. On the palate. Yeah. I had it with pasta, which went well. Was appropriate. It was appropriate and it was appropriate before and after. So I just think all in all it was pretty good. I would have it again. If it wasn't on sale. Yes, I would buy it again. Oh, you really liked it? Yeah. Would I like it? I think so. I think so. Could I have it with french fries? I don't believe in that whole pairing thing. I, I either know. like it or I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, is I it a sipper? So. It's a sipper. Because do you ever have the wine without food, or do you always have it with food? I rarely have anything with food, if I can not. <laughs> so <laughs> I try to save my calories for other. Your points. How many yeah. points is that on the Weight Watchers? I have show? no idea. I'm not a point person. You have to ask John. He's the point person. <laughs> John the. Yeah. Station I, manager. I don't count calories or points. I just look at carbs. Can he raise his hands how many points it would be for red wine? No. He's not He's not raising his hands. There's I'll have to look it up. No. Make me Google it. No hands. For I the, don't know. For, There's not a lot of sugar in that, is there? I don't know, but I did see somewhere that there was roughly 600 to 630 calories per bottle of wine. I don't know what the carbs are, however. So, well, like I assume a it's 100% calories. carbs because it's wine. Yes. So, I'm... I watch Doctor Now, which you know is six hundred pound life, and those people, yeah, those people can only have like twelve hundred calories a day. So if I am sipping that six hundred, is that show still on the air? You haven't yes. talked about it in a while. Oh my God, so good, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, so I good. can't. I can watch Doctor Pimple Popper, but I, I cannot, cannot watch, watch the that. fat people. Well, Pimple Popper is right afterwards, so I have to turn it off right it's beforehand. It's the sloth idea of it. It's the people, like the hoarders. It does bother I just me. Physically it bothers me in it. ways that I can't understand. But what, I, it, I just feel so sorry for them. It, I just feel I have so much empath, which people would be surprised. But I'm a very much an empathic person. I I take on that feeling. I don't like it. I get more upset with them. Oh, see, I think, oh. And I love, but Dr. the poppers, now. man, I'm all satisfied at the end of that. Job. I love Doctor Now because he's clearly he doesn't from a put up with it does oh, he? at all, which I love, and he's a different descent, clearly. And mm-hmm. when he and he's his office is in Houston, and when he walks in every week, he's like, "Hey, hey, y'all doing?" <laughs> <laughs> which which makes more. So, do you drink the wine while you're watching that show? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, of course. So t- it would be tough. Well, now, be, the surgery I side of it, I'd be, watch the surgery all day. No, see, I don't want to watch that. So when they cut the fat <laughs> off, I don't want to see Oh, it. see, I love I that. It's very sad. He weighs it after he cuts it off. Oh. The last one was 30 pounds, and it was literally too much to handle. That's why I have to drink while watching it. <laughs> I mean, it's bad. It's bad. Oh, so you don't eat while you drink the wine? No. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll sip a little bit while I'm eating, but I typically drink before and after. 
Mm. Like a cigarette. Mm. Mm. I guess so. So I had two beers. Wow. One Big last week. night. It was a good week. I don't really, you know, I don't drink that much. But uh, both with my son, which was nice because Alex came home to visit. He's like, he's just my little, my little six foot five redhead. And last night was Gain Street Pies. We had the Gain Street Golden Ale, which I don't know what it really is. I don't know if they have it brewed by someone here locally. I didn't do any research. But I had two glasses and it was really good. Five bucks for a, a large pint. So is, is it's it called on Gain tap? Street. It's on draft, yeah. Okay. At Gain Street Pies East, I'm sure it's at the others. He has like eight or nine drafts. And he tries to have local. And I had the Gain Street Pie Golden Ale. And I had coupons, so I got 10% off of my bill. So there you go. Even the alcohol? I don't know. I didn't look. Hmm. I tipped as if it wasn't. So, And the other one I had at Bumpus, also a sponsor of Real Talk 93.3, because I'm, I'm a team player. And we went to Bumpus, Alex and I, last Friday when they came to town. And I had, I forget what I had to eat. Oh, burger. I just had a typical burger. But I had the um, Big Wave. So it's made by Kona. It's a Hawaiian beer. It's delicious. I've actually seen that before. Delicious. He told me to get it, and I did. The kid told me to get it because, you know, I like to have a draft. I don't like a bottle, but it came in a bottle. It was five bucks. Big Wave is a lighter-bodied golden ale with tropical hop aroma. That's probably And it tastes like coconut or pineapple or something. It definitely tastes like probably coconut. It says caramel malt, or as some people would say caramel. Yankees always say caramel. Do you? Do you say caramel? Yeah. Melt contributes to the golden and special blend of hops, but it was delicious. It's only four and a half point four percent alcohol, though. Yeah, to I me, it's a waste of calories. I'm I'm gonna have to go a little higher. Calories, I'm have those calories. Carbonation. One bottle is 132 calories, 10 grams of carbs, and it has sodium was only nine. Yeah, that's also. I gross. thought it was good. Sodium has to be much larger than that for me. It's. It's a pale two row for malt, whatever that means. I don't know. I'm gonna have to take like a brewer class at some point. Well, but the Kona, it was really good. We'll have to, and, and it was really good with a burger. Maybe we can get that Gabe Grass to come and give us. <sighs> yeah, so I on saw that. last night. He's gonna be on. Um, He's going to Disney. Disney Grasslands Brewery. Right? Yeah, at I had to Ep- like at the Epcot Wine. Yeah, because and... he does all that guava fruit. And Ology did the a black currant, which I really wanted to try, but I had to work all weekend, so I didn't go over there for that. I don't know, but I love that fruity. Tastes good. I don't know, but a I red or to black try currant it. candle is great. It I looked, don't know if I want to drink it. It looked beautiful. I bet it, it is was pretty. deep, 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 deep. But I like the the fruity. Now I'm not a fan of that lemon thing that I had the other time. It was a lemon beer. That snickerdoodle, le, le, lime burger. What do you call it? Yeah, lime burger. Yeah, that lime burger. Yeah. But I do like, I do like the orangey, the citrus. Yeah. But I would prefer, That's and why I do you like, like a blue moon. With but a, even with like the Bud Light lime, like it very much because it's a drier, it's not as sweet. That's why I think you would like an old fashioned because it's got that. Well, we're about it's to got find a out. Twist of orange and it's got the cherry in it, so it's. Uh, did you try it with the orange bitters and it didn't turn out well? No, I haven't bought the orange bitters. Oh, I thought you did. No, I have not. I'm going to. Have but not. do you have the twenty five dollar cherries? Yes. for a bottle of... I ordered them off Amazon. Non-Maraschino. What's the name of it? Oh, gosh. I don't... It's like some weird name, but they're like black, right? They're black cherry? Yes. Do they taste like a black cherry? Are they more cherry than... They're not what you would expect from if you are the old school Maraschino cherry. 
They're not bright red. They're dark. They're dark. Like, they're not candied either, are they? No, they're they're like black, like a normal, like a current. I mean, like a dark. Yeah, it's very, very dark. So you were only on my side on the bourbon side for a couple weeks. Yeah, we'll come back. You You'll never know swing. when I'll switch. You'll swing. And when I do, <laughs> you're swing it's from over. one to the other. All should look out. I know, but I had a lot of. I didn't have a lot of bourbon the previous week, but I had enough to to know that I needed beer for a little bit. It yeah. just is a lighter, funner drink. I mean, you don't want to go have a bourbon and a burger with your kid. <laughs> it just doesn't seem right. I don't want to have a beer with just about anything. Oh, you don't? This yeah. was really good. I told you, last time I drank a beer was when I was working in the yard. I got to hand it to just... Bumpus. They have a really nice place. The fries are good. The burger was good. The fried bologna. How's the service? There's fried bologna. They have fried bologna on Thursdays. That's our thing. Tomorrow, that's what I'm going to get. I just get uh, fried bologna plain. I don't do all that jalapeno. Yeah, with the mustard. I just do it plain. I just do it Yankee Is style. it a sandwich? Yeah, okay. fried bologna is thick. Mm. Yeah, so we're going to Bumpus tomorrow. So, so yeah, that's it. That's it for this show. Next week, we're going to have a guest. Surprise. Well, we have Michelle Ray Winkle-Vasselinda coming on, and then right. Doug Say from the Property Appraiser. Michelle Ray Winkle Vasselinda. That's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> Patty Wilson, Patty's Playhouse. Thanks for listening. See you next week. I'll be